Hello and welcome to Practicing English. My name is Mike Bilbra, and these are podcasts for students of English at B1 or B2 levels, or IELTS from levels four to seven, or for those students who just want to improve their general English. Hello again, and it's Friday, and it's Story Day, and today I'm going to read the fourth and final part of "The Man Who Could Work Miracles" by H. G. Wells, and I'm going to point out some useful language. If you go to practicingenglish.com, you will find the audio script. And there you will be able to see some of the phrases and expressions I have highlighted. These are phrases that I think are worth learning. Now, if you remember from episode three, the author tells the reader that he was killed. That he was killed, and as this was written at the end of the nineteenth century, he. Says that everybody on Earth was actually killed, so that's interesting. I want you to listen and find out how that is so. How is it that everybody was killed during the course of this story? So here we go. Could work miracles, but this gives us. It opens the most amazing possibilities," said Mister Maydig. "The things unlimited, it seems," said Mister Fotheringay. "And about Mister Winch, altogether unlimited." And Mister Maydig, waving the Winch difficulty aside. So, if you wave something aside, that means that you don't think it's interesting. You don't want to talk about it. To wave something aside produced a series of wonderful proposals. Proposals he invented as he went along. So, if you do things as you go along, you are inventing things, making things up while you're thinking. Now, what those proposals were does not concern the essentials of this story. It is enough to say that they were designed in a spirit of infinite benevolence. It is enough to say too that the problem of Winch remained unsolved. Nor is it necessary to describe how far these events were resolved. There were astonishing changes. The small hours found Mister Maydig and Fotheringay running across the chilly market square, under the still moon, in a sort of ecstasy of miracle working. Mister Maydig 
gesticulating with excitement, Mr. Fotheringay, eager and no longer timid about his greatness. They had reformed every drunk in the local town hall, changed all the beer and alcohol to water. Mr. Fotheringay was very unhappy about that one. They had greatly improved the railway communication of the area, improved the quality of the soil on one tree hill, and cured the vicar's wart. The place, gasped Mr. Maydig, won't be the same tomorrow. How surprised and thankful everyone will be. And just at that moment, the church clock struck three. I say, said Mr. Fotheringay, that's three o'clock. I must be getting back. I've got to be at work by eight. We're only beginning, said Mr. Maydig, full of sweetness, of unlimited power. We're only beginning. Think of all the good we're doing. When people wake... But, said Mr. Fotheringay, Mr. Maydig gripped his arm suddenly. So if you grip somebody by the arm, you hold them tightly. His eyes were bright and wild. My dear chap, he said, there's no hurry. Look. He pointed to the moon in the sky. What? said Mr. Fotheringay. Stop it, said Mr. Maydig. Why not? Stop it. Mr. Fotheringay looked at the moon. That's a bit of a tall order, he said after a pause. So a tall order means a task which is difficult to carry out. Why, said Mr. Maydig, of course it doesn't stop. You stop the rotation of the earth, you know. Time stops. It isn't as if we're doing harm. Mm, said Mr. Fotheringay. Well, he sighed, I'll try here. He buttoned up his jacket and spoke to planet Earth, with all the confidence that lay in his power. Just stop rotating, will you? said Mr. Fotheringay. Immediately he was flying head over heels, through the air at the rate of dozens of miles a minute. In spite of the innumerable circles he was describing per second, he thought and willed, let me come down safe and sound. Whatever else happens, let me down safe and sound. So safe and sound is a little expression which means unharmed, not hurt. He willed it only just in time, for his clothes, heated by his rapid flight through the air, were already beginning to singe. So to singe is to burn slightly. Just before something catches fire, it goes black. It singes. He came down with a forcible, but by no means harmful, bump in what appeared to be a mound of soft earth. A large mass of metal and masonry, extraordinarily like the clock tower in the middle of the market square, hit the earth near him and flew into stonework, bricks and cement like a bursting bomb, a hurtling cow, 
hurtling. So if something hurtles through the air, it travels at high speed. A hurtling cow hit one of the larger blocks and smashed like an egg. There was a crash that made all the most violent crashes of his past life seem like the sound of falling dust. And this was followed by a series of lesser crashes. A vast wind roared throughout earth and heaven. Though it roars, it's like the sound of a lion. So when the wind roars, it's because it's very strong. So that he could scarcely lift his head to look. For a while he was too breathless and astonished even to see where he was or what had happened. And his first movement was to feel his head and reassure himself that his streaming hair was still his own. Streaming here means that his hair is blowing in the wind and it's straight with the strong wind. Lord, gasped Mr. Fotheringay, hardly able to speak for the gale. So a gale is another name for a storm. That was close. What's gone wrong? Storms and thunder. And only a minute ago, a fine night. It was Maydig who made me do this sort of thing. What a wind. If I go on fooling in this way, I'm bound to have a terrible accident. Where's Maydig? What an incredible mess everything's in. He looked about him, as far as his flapping jacket would permit. So his jacket is flapping, means moving quickly because of the strong wind. The appearance of things were really extremely strange. The sky's all right, anyhow, said Mr. Fotheringay. And that's about all that is all right. And even there, it looks like a terrific gale coming up. But there's the moon overhead, just as it was just now, bright as midday. But as for the rest, where's the village? Where's, where's anything? And what on earth made this tremendous wind blow? I didn't order any wind. Mr. Fotheringay struggled to get to his feet. To get to your feet means to stand up. So Mr. Fotheringay struggled to get to his feet in vain, and after one failure, remained on all fours. So to be on all fours means to be on your hands and knees, holding on. He surveyed the moonlit world downwind, with the tails of his jacket streaming over his head. There's something seriously wrong, said Mr. Fotheringay, and what it is, goodness knows. Far and wide, nothing was visible in the white glare. So a glare is like a bright light that hurts your eyes. In the white glare through the haze of dust. So a haze is like a mist. In this case, it's the dust in the air. In a haze of dust that drove before a screaming gale, but tumbled masses of earth and heaps of ruins so tumbled means rolling over and over again and again. So these tumbled masses of earth and heaps of ruins, no trees, no houses, no familiar shapes, only a wilderness of disorder. Vanishing at last into the darkness behind the lightning and thunder, a 
of a swiftly rising storm. You see, when Mr. Fotheringay had stopped the rotation of the earth, he had made no stipulation concerning the things that move upon its surface. And the earth spins so fast that the surface at its equator is travelling at rather more than a thousand miles an hour and in these latitudes at more than half that speed. So that the village and Mr. Maydig and Mr. Fotheringay and everybody and everything had been jerked violently forward. So if something is jerked, it is moved violently. For everything had been jerked violently forward at about nine miles per second. That is to say, much more violently than if they had been fired out of a cannon. And every human being, every living creature, every house and every tree, all the world as we know it, had been shattered and smashed and utterly destroyed. So shattered and smashed means completely uh, broken into lots of pieces, tiny pieces. Shattered and smashed and utterly destroyed that was all. These things Mr. Fotheringay did not, of course, fully understand, but he perceived that his miracle had gone wrong, and with that he felt a great disgust of miracles. He was in darkness now, for the clouds had swept together and blotted out his momentary glimpse of the moon. So if something blots something else out to blot out that means that it is obscured from view you can't see it to blot out a great roaring of wind and waters filled earth and sky and peering under his hand through the dust and sleet upwind he saw in a burst of lightning a vast wall of water pouring towards him Maydig! screamed Mr. Fotheringay's feeble voice in the middle of the uproar. Here, Maydig! Stop! cried Mr. Fotheringay to the advancing water. Oh, for goodness sake, stop! Just a moment, said Mr. Fotheringay to the lightnings and thunder. Stop just a moment while I collect my thoughts. And now what shall I do? He said. What shall I do? Lord, I wish Maydig was here. I know, said Mr. Fotheringay. And for goodness sake, let's have it right this time. He remained on all fours, leaning against the wind. Very intent to have everything right. Ah, he said, let nothing what I'm going to order happen until I say off. Lord, I wish I'd thought of that one before. He lifted his little voice against the whirlwind, shouting louder and louder in the vain desire to hear himself speak. Now then, here goes. Remember that what I said just now. In the first place, when all I've got to say is done, let me lose my miraculous power. Let my will become just like anybody else's will. 
and all these dangerous miracles be stopped. I don't like them. I'd rather I didn't work them. That's the first thing. And the second thing, let me be back just before the miracles begin. Let everything be just as it was before that stupid lamp turned upside down. It's a big job, but it's the last. Have you got it? No more miracles. Everything as it was. Me back in the Long Dragon, just before I drank my half pint. That's it, yes. He dug his fingers into the earth, closed his eyes and said, Off! Everything became perfectly still. He perceived that he was standing up. So you say, said a voice. He opened his eyes. He was in the bar of the Long Dragon, arguing about miracles with Toddy Beamish. He had a vague sense of some great thing forgotten that instantaneously passed. You see that, except for the loss of his miraculous powers, everything was back as it had been. His mind and memory, therefore, were now just as they had been at the time when this story began, so that he knew absolutely nothing of all that is told here, knows nothing of all that is told here to this day. And among other things, of course, he still did not believe in miracles. I tell you that miracles, properly speaking, can't possibly happen, he said. Whatever you like to believe, and I'm prepared to prove it. That's what you think, said Toddy Beamish, and added, prove it if you can. Look here, Mr Beamish, said Mr Fotheringay, it's something contrary to the course of nature, done by the power of will, something that couldn't happen without being specially willed. And that's the end of The Man Who Could Work Miracles. Goodbye for now.